Thanks for listening to the Highlands Message Podcast. Whether you're new to Highlands and are listening for the first time or you want to hear a past message again, welcome. Our heart at Highlands is to lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus so you can have a life full of purpose as you grow in your faith and lead others to Jesus. We hope you enjoy and are inspired by the latest message from one of our communicators. Your heart is very important and a part of your body um, that is physical and spiritual. But here are some interesting facts that I've come up with about the human heart. The heart begins to beat uh, four weeks after conception and it doesn't stop until your death unless you've had some sort of accident or, you know, I know um, one of our guys, he um, he was, he's, was an electrician and was up on the lines and got zapped and I know they had to zap his heart again to get it started. But basically speaking, your heart starts at four weeks of, from conception and doesn't stop until you actually die. The heart pumps approximately 5.7 litres of blood throughout the body. That's a, that's a, that actually surprised me. I thought that's a lot of blood. That's 1.5 million barrels of blood in the average lifespan. Mm-hmm. The heart is roughly the size of your fist. So everyone's now looking at their fist, aren't they? Yeah. So your heart is roughly that size. It's the size of your fist. And every day the heart creates enough energy to drive a truck 32 kilometres. Now, for those of you who don't know 32 kilometres, basically I live in Rangeville and from Rangeville to church and back again, that's approximately 32 kilometres. So that's how much energy your heart creates that would drive a truck that far. And so in an average lifetime, that is equivalent to driving, wait till you hear this, to the moon and back. Wow. You know, I wonder if that's where that saying comes, I love you to the moon and back. No, because our heart is beating that much. Um, It's incredible. No wonder King David, um, when he was praying and seeking God, he said, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, there's just a few little facts about our physical heart. And here's David who said, you know what, God, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And you know what, King David, back all those thousands of years ago, he didn't know half of what we know now about the human body and the heart and everything. We know how important it is to keep our physical hearts healthy. It's so important. You know, in fact, we spend $2 billion in Australia each year on preventative health. $2 billion, not individually, Australians. Yeah, if you're spending $2 billion, you're spending way too much money. Um, So what about our spiritual heart. You know, we're so concerned about our physical heart. You know, we run, we go to gym. Well, some of us do and some of us try to. But, you know, we do all that and we we try and keep ourselves healthy. Um, But what about our spiritual heart? When's the last time you did a spiritual heart check? You know, because this is just as important. There are approximately 826 scriptures in the Bible that talk about the heart. 826. Now, you know, if you looked up the brain, 
How many scriptures do you think there are on the brain? Zero. Zero scriptures on the brain. There's things that talk about the mind, but there is not, not one mention of the brain. And yet 826 scriptures speak about the heart. God's word has a whole lot to say about our hearts. And there's good reason. Your heart drives everything you do, think, feel, and say. You know, it's funny when we say, uh, feel because I don't know about you, but um, I know when I've had some exciting news in my family, like when my daughter first told me she was pregnant with my granddaughter. You know what the first thing I did was? Oh my goodness. You know, when you've had some good news, you don't go, oh my goodness. That's usually bad news. <laughs> But when you've had good news, it's like, oh, or something, you're watching a movie and you're just like, oh, it touches your heart. Proverbs 4, 23, uh, sorry, Proverbs 4, 20 to 23. And it says this, my child, pay attention to what I say. Now, I don't know about you, but when the word of God says pay attention, guess what we should do? Okay, pay attention. Listen carefully to my words. Um, don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your brain. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. They will bring life to those who find them and healing to their body. There's something in that, guys. There's something being said about this important part of this spiritual heart that we have. And then it says, guard your heart above everything else. Guard it, for it determines the course of your life. So how your heart is, how your spiritual heart is will determine the course of your life. If your spiritual heart is not well, it's unhealthy, it's damaged, it's hurt, it will be displayed in your words and actions without a doubt. If your spiritual heart is in a right place, I can guarantee you your life will be right on course, just like that scripture says. So we're going to have a look at some of those. We're going to go through a bit of a journey through some of those 826 scriptures. Are you right to buckle in for a little while? Don't panic. I'm not going to go through all of them. But here's some of them. Proverbs 27:19. As water reflects the face, you know, you've ever been standing there looking into water, a pond or something, and you can see yourself in it. As water reflects the face, so a man's heart reflects a man. Matthew 6:21. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. So, you know, here's this thing that we're storing up these things, even our treasures, the things we treasure, that's where your heart will be. Luke 6.45, the good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. So, you know, good things can be stored up in your heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in their heart. For out of the overflow, so here's another thing, your heart can overflow for out of the overflow of the heart guess what speaks the mouth every single day we display to the world for the world to see um, what's going on in our hearts they see our hearts through our actions whether it's good or bad the world sees our hearts through our words and what we say or how we say it the things that come out of our mouth 
you know, you can tell what's going on in a person's heart by what they're saying. You know, it's very interesting. Um, one of the things I've done recently is a counselling course. And one of the things that they tell you is just listen. Listen a lot because you can tell a lot by what's, how someone is by what they're saying. Um, so, yeah, so that's an interesting thing. They see, the world sees our hearts from the things that we treasure and the things that we take value in. You know, where your time is spent, where your talent is being used and where your finances, what the, what's your finances going towards, that can tell you a lot about your heart and, and your spiritual heart. The best way to test your heart would be to examine what's flowing from it. Your soul will be well, your soul will be healthy and cared for when your heart is right. You know, there was a song written, I think, in about 1873, and it is called, It Is Well With My Soul. And you know what? I think if we really want it to be well with our soul, our heart will be in the right place. I wonder if some of our heart conditions, and I'm talking about our spiritual, um, oh, sorry, our, sorry, I've got that all wrong. I wonder if some of our health conditions are because of unresolved issues of our spiritual heart. You know, things that have affected our soul and in turn it affect, affects us um, physically whether it's through our body or through our mind. Just something to think about for a little bit. Christine Kane, who is a pastor and an author, wrote in her book, uh, Living Life Undaunted, she wrote this, I believe that as Christians, we all possess a sincere desire to love God with all our hearts. You know, when you first become a Christian, when you say yes to Jesus, we say that we ask God into our hearts. And so we want to love God with all of our hearts. And so um, this is what Christine Kane uh, says, and to love God with all our hearts. Yet we often unknowingly allow subtle deterrence to build up inside of us. Slowly, these ob um, obstructions form larger blockages, which over a period of time clog our spiritual arteries and harden our hearts by depriving them of the access to the life source. Now, we know what the life source is, don't we, God? We must do whatever it takes to ensure that these have no place in our lives as followers of Jesus. So what are these things that harden our hearts? What are the things that, this is, that Christine Kane is talking about in her book? You know, there's obviously some things that will affect us, affect our hearts, and in turn affect our soul. And so are you ready? for a spiritual heart check? Are you ready and open to hear what God has to say? Because it may get a little uncomfortable in here, just saying that it may, because I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you if you are open enough to say, God, I want you to check my heart, my spiritual heart. You know, in Psalm uh, um, 139, verses 23 to 24, King David is crying out to God and he says, God, search me. Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Are you there? 
Are you in that space that you're ready to do that this morning? See, if there is an offensive way in me and lead me to the way of everlasting. So we're going to go on that journey now. We're going to have a look at three things. There's probably a ton more, but we haven't got time for it. We're going to look at three things that I believe if it's kept unchecked, if it's not resolved, will actually give you a spiritual heart attack. That it will clog up and harden your heart. So are we ready? Buckle up. Here we go. So the first one is an offended heart. This could actually be, if I'm honest, a full message in itself. Seriously, as I was unpacking this and sitting there and working it through myself, um, I just um, know that this is something that I think we can unpack a little bit further in the future. There is absolutely no doubt that there will be hurt in life. Is there anybody here who's never been hurt? Okay, good. I'm not, I'm not alone. However, it is entirely up to us whether or not we choose to remain offended. We all experience messy relationships and um, then we, you know, are wronged by someone or someone says something. When this happens, it's natural to be hurt, okay? I need you to hear that. It's natural to be hurt. And it's normal to feel injustice has occurred to you. Um, but it's your choice. It's your choice whether you hold on to offence. And it's your choice of then if you're holding on to offence of what it will do to you. Offence is more than just being angry at someone. It's more than being hurt. Offence is holding on to a grudge. It's nursing bitterness and it's allowing wrong to change your heart condition and contaminate your emotions and your thinking. Offence is dangerous because it makes the offended person blind. And this is what I mean by this. If you choose offence, it'll make you blind to the fullness of the situation. It'll make you blind to the other person's positive qualities. It'll make you blind and you will just focus on all the negative traits of that person. So as I'm talking about offence, I wonder if there's somebody who's come to your mind. Somebody that you're sitting there, you're still sitting in this place of being offended by. Now, when I talk about this, I am telling you I have been offended and I have hung on to offence. And I have been offended by people in the church, not this church, of course. <laughs> in the church, you know, people who for a period of time were gaslighting me, they were saying things about me that were not true. And I was angry, I was hurt, I was upset. And for a period of time, I was offended. And I can tell you, I couldn't think of anything else except what these people were thinking and saying. And, you know, and you know what I was doing? I was giving them more power. The more I thought about it, the more I was offended. In actual fact, you're giving that person more power over you. Offence causes a hardness of the heart. To decide not to hold on to offence does not mean that, um, that you don't stand up for what is right. 
Okay, you know, what these people were saying at the time was not right. But how you deal with it is a whole nother ball game. It doesn't mean you're a doormat either. You can't have people, whether it's family or friends or, you know, people in the workplace just thinking that you're a doormat and can say anything they want about you. That's not what I'm saying here today. It means you choose to forgive. It means you choose that you won't allow your heart, heart to become hardened. You'll deal with it. You'll give it to God. You'll speak to them. You'll say, hey, what you said is just not right. It's not appropriate. And then you just let it go. And that's the power of forgiveness. Proverbs 18:19 says this, an offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. And this is what offence will do. It'll do it to friends. There's some people you haven't spoken to someone for a long time because you have been offended by something they've said to you. And they have been a close friend all your life or whatever. Do you know what? Deal with it. Because their soul and their spirit and how, you know how we said earlier, they're watching they're watching how you respond to different things. And what if this is your witness of how you react to that? There is no peace or freedom in an offended heart. Proverbs 19.11 says, A person's wisdom yields patience. It is, it is, the one, it is to one's glory to overlook an offence. And then the second one, we ready? We finished with offence, we can move on. You're still churning about that. <laughs> the second one that will affect your spiritual heart is a critical and negative heart. Do you criticise and pass judgement on others? Do you find yourself uh, with a negative disposition, often find fault with something or someone quite easily? Is it difficult for you to see the positive in a person's situation and the negative is just glaring you in the eye? Are you compelled to give your critical point of view for the good of mankind? This is um, hard to see in ourselves. But it's become very popular in our world today, especially on social media. Social media, you know, the keyboard warriors. It's a place where people hide behind their computers and phones and make critical and negative um, comments about all sorts of things. You know, sometimes if you go to a restaurant and you have a bad meal, well, so be it. You have a bad meal. You could have been there 10 times before and it was wonderful. But why do you have the feeling that you've got to write and tell everyone about the one meal or the one little bit of broccoli that wasn't cooked right on your plate? You know, it's, it's just getting absolutely ridiculous. My uh, youngest daughter works in um, hospitality and she said, Mum, this whole critical thing, the way people are negatively talking about and she said, half the time it's from another cafe or another place that's just trying to put you down. So, yeah, so don't believe everything you write. You know, it's like the movies. If I see all the criticism about a movie and go, oh, I'm not going to go see that movie anymore. You know what? A part of going to the movies is going, oh, that was really good. Or, you know, oh, yeah, that wasn't great. That I'm not going to listen to everyone else's negative critical thing because they're not me. 
And sometimes we just need to go on the journey and find that out for ourselves. But you know, this, this whole world today has become so negative and critical about everything, like your opinion really matters about every single thing. And you know what doesn't necessarily. <laughs> Um, and just uh, while I'm on this whole critical and negative thing, husbands and wives, be very, very careful because this can really creep into a relationship, this whole negative, critical things and the way you speak to each other, even to the point sometimes it can be in the place of, uh, you know, saying this little critical, negative thing and then just going, I'm only joking, I'm only, but I'm only joking. I've done that before. We had to really work on this in our relationship. We'd say something, oh, only joking. But what did that scripture say? From the heart, the mouth speaks. So watch it in your relationships. So here's a test on whether your heart is contaminated with negativity and criticism. What's the first response you have when family or friends are telling you some exciting news, like some friends of ours came to us one day and they said, um, guess what, Murray and Kaz? I said, what's that? We've just bought a new catamaran. I said, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> and you know what? What if your friends or family came and said that to you? I've just bought this brand new catamaran. Really? How much is that worth? couple of million dollars, whatever. It's a toy, like it's, this, it's a toy. But how you respond, I believe, is what's going on in your heart. You know, it might not be a $2 million catamaran. It might be, hey, we've just bought a new home or some new property or something. Or we've been able to add to our, um, you know, portfolio of properties and uh, we've added something to it. What's your response to that? Is it like, oh, really? How can you afford that? Or, gee, I wish I could afford that. You know, when it turns to you, something's wrong. When it turns about I... Oh, I would love to do that. Or I would, oh, I wish I could do that. I don't have the money to do that. How did you get the money to do that? You know, just be really careful about what you're thinking through those situations because I can guarantee you it's usually a, a test of where your heart is. You know, we were so excited for our friends that um, bought this catamaran. And you know what? The interesting thing is, we have been blessed off our socks by these, this couple and the way that they have blessed us with what God has given them. And you know what? There's a whole heap of people that have too. So be really careful about where your heart is in that critical and negative space. Our words are to be encouraging and uplifting and in instructive even when it is corrective. Now, a lot of people say, oh, Kaz is just saying this because she doesn't want anyone to criticise or tell her. I can tell you the first thing that happens after church on a Sunday when we get in our car is we critique each other in our message. And we are very, very strong <laughs> with each other. I mean, I'm usually critiquing myself anyway. So don't think that this is about getting comments or feedback or anything like that. And then on a Monday morning, our first meeting of the week is with our team and we say exactly the same thing to our team. What worked well and what do we need to work on? So don't think this is about that. But where that criticism and negativity comes from is very important. 
where you, where, whether you trust that person or people or not. And so if you have something that you feel you need to add or you need to give feedback on, I would say first, God, is this the feedback you would want me to give that person? And are you going to do it with a loving heart? And a heart that wants to see best for that person or that situation or that community or this church. Um, Ephesians 4.32 says, Make a clean break with all cutting, backbiting and profane talk. Be gentle with one another. Sensitive with one another. Forgive one another as quickly and thoroughly as God um, in Christ forgave you. You were forgiven. And so God wants us to react in that same way with people. Sometimes we need to think, let our opinion or our critique, just let it go and give it to God. Other times, it is right to go and say, hey, can I just have a chat to you? There's a way of doing this, guys, okay? And the third thing we need to check in our hearts so we don't have a spiritual heart attack is an apathetic heart. What does an apathetic heart look like on a Christian? It's a lack of motivation. It's laziness. It's disconnection. You just don't care too much, not interested, not concerned, or having or showing little emotion. The antidote to apathy is action. And James put this so beautifully in the book of James 1, 22 to 25. It says, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, will be doing it. But, but, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. The opposite to an apathetic Christian is a zealous Christian. And <laughs> this is not a word that we, I don't know about you, you might go around using this word all the time, but it's not a word that we use very often these days. But the meaning of zealous is this, showing great energy or enthusiasm in pursuit of a cause or objective. To be a pa in passionate pursuit of someone or something. I've heard so many amazing stories about zealous Christians, and I'm going to tell you a few. I heard about this story once of these people in a country where Christianity is illegal. And so, of course, having a Bible is illegal. And so you're not allowed to have the Word of God. And yet some of these Christians had heard about um, this plane that was going to be going over this beach, and uh, they were going to be releasing pages of the Bible. And so a lot of these Christians did everything they could to get down to the beach that day and celebrated one page of the Word of God. And they did that. They did that risking their life, risking their life to get one page of the Word of God. That is a zealous Christian. Or maybe it's the... Um, 
it's the, hang on, I've lost my spot here. Or maybe it's the Christians who cut holes in the ice. Same sort of countries, not allowed to be Christians, can't just fill up a tub after church on a Sunday and baptize people. So they have to actually stand and cut holes in a lake, in a frozen lake, take out the ice, and they're so keen to follow Jesus in the water of baptism, they jump into that icy cold water to be baptized. Or we read about a lot in the Middle East, Christians that are told to kneel on their knees and renounce their God or be beheaded for their faith. But they stay strong and they stay faithful and prayerful until the very end. You know, we don't have to run down the beach to get a page of the Bible to read. We don't have to get on our knees in this country at the risk of being here this morning and then being beheaded. We don't have to, you know, do all these things. We don't have to um, cut holes in frozen lakes. These people are zealous Christians. I just hear these stories and I read about these things and I just, my heart cries out, God, how can I have a heart like that? I am so thankful that I live in a country that's as free as our country is. But please, guys, we should not lose that zealous heart just because we're not put into situations and circumstances like these people. Let's not become so apathetic that we have a dozen Bibles in our house that never get open. And here's people risking their lives to get one page of it. We have it on our Bible apps and we still can't seem to find time in the day through our social media, our mini-series, our whatever. Oh, no, I haven't had time to read my Bible today. I haven't had time to read a verse, a two-verse, a chapter. You know, zealous Christian. <sighs> Take away that apathetic heart that we have that so easily creeps in. If we were put on trial for our faith, would you be found guilty of being a zealous Christian? That really messed with me. Because I actually had to answer that. I, I don't think I would. I don't think I would be found guilty. There's so many areas that I need to continue to seek God in and continue to give to him so that I can be free. So how do, uh, how do we become a zealous Christian? Moses wrote in Deuteronomy 4.29, But from there you will search again for the Lord your God. And if you search for him with all your heart and soul, you will find him. We've just got to search. You know, I, I was doing this and I actually wrote on this page a whole big list of things that we had to do. We had to read more. We had to pray more. We had to do this. We had to be at church, be at church on time. We had to do, 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 do. And I went through all these things. I had this list of things. I went, yeah, that's good. And God said, no. 
No, I just need people to seek me. I just need people to seek me. You see, when your heart is changed by the power of God and the Holy Spirit, it's not like these things that become hard. It's like it flows out of you. You want it. You want to know your God more. You want to do these things. And so I took that list of things off and I thought, well, you know what? So I think we need to ask God for a zealous heart. This isn't about striving to achieve something. It's about knowing that our God is already given us a heart transplant <laughs> and that we said yes to him. You know, um, I thought this was beautiful. I, I, Ezekiel eleven nineteen it says, and this is God speaking through the prophet. Ezekiel prophet is just someone who speaks on behalf of God. And so the prophet Ezekiel wrote this and God says, and I will give them one heart, a new heart and put a new spirit within them. I will take from them the heart of stone. You know, that hardened heart. God's going to take that when we say yes to him. And I will give them a heart of flesh that is responsive to my touch. Did you notice that? That the great physician, the incredible surgeon doesn't just fix our heart up. He actually gives us a whole brand new one. He gives us his whole brand new spiritual heart that's tender, it's soft, it's ready, it's open, it's willing. And yet these things, some of these things that contaminate it, just make it hard, make it harder, a little bit harder. Don't contaminate that beautiful heart that God gave you. He does major heart transplant for a reason. I believe if we stay responsive to God's touch, allowing him to mould our hearts and take the things that cause it to be tainted away, because it will be. We're human, but let's not let it stay there and harden it. Let's just allow him to mould it and stay soft and tender. This is when, when our hearts are healthy, our soul will be healthy and we'll be caring for it. So often people are unaware of the state and health of, um, of their physical heart and therefore problems occur. Today, right now, it's time. It's time for us to receive that new heart. If you've never said yes to Jesus before, that's what he wants to do. He wants to do that heart transplant in you. But maybe your heart has become hardened by one of those, one or all of those things that I just talked about. And maybe it's time that you just get God because only God can remove that tainted heart and soften it again. So we're going to pray. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord God, that um, you care so much for us. You care for our mind, body, spirit, soul. And so, Lord, you want us to come to you. This is all about coming to you because no one can fix, can heal, can change things like you can. And, Lord, freedom lies on the other side of these things. That's the great thing. When the sun sets us free, we are free indeed. And so we believe, Jesus, that when you set us free, that we will be free. 
And so, Lord, I just pray for every single person in this place, especially those who are carrying offense. I just pray, Lord God, that you will touch them. You will heal them. You will bring unity into the relationship that's broken like only you can. So soften those hearts, Lord God, in that area. I pray for people's words. I pray for in the workplace, in the family, in the for husbands and wives. I pray, Father, if there's a negative critical spirit, I pray against it in Jesus' name. I pray that you come, Lord God, and take that away, clean it up, and just bring words of love, life, and encouragement to those places, that people will see a difference and a change. Praise you, Jesus. Thanks again for listening to the Highlands Message Podcast. We hope you feel encouraged to take these words with you to know God, find freedom, discover your purpose and to make a difference. If you feel moved by today's message and want to connect with us, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at highlands.au on Facebook or Instagram or head to the highlandschurch.org.au website for more resources and information. Be sure to follow the Highlands Message Podcast on your preferred platform to stay up to date with our latest message. We hope to see you in person soon.